quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a child and, and to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the reading of God's word. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is alive. It speaks to our hearts even today. Even though this was written long ago, this document, this book of yours is as fresh today as when the words were first spoken. And Holy Spirit, you know the will of the Father for our hearts today. Would you take the will of the Father and the word of God and would you cause them to intersect in our lives in such a way that, God, we receive what it is that you have for each one of us particularly? Holy Spirit, you are the only one that can draw men unto yourselves. You are the only one that can open the hearts to receive the word. So we ask you in the name of Jesus to do what, God, only you can do. We pray, God, for the anointing of your spirit. I ask that, Lord, you would quiet our hearts. For some of us, our minds are running a mile a minute right now. And I just pray, Father, wash over us with the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ and speak into our hearts the word of truth today. And I will ask you to, I will bring glory to your name in advance. I come as your servant. I come as nothing else. I come asking that you would fill me with your spirit. I pray the anointing of your spirit so that what is said and what is heard is for your, your glory and your glory alone. In God's holy name I pray it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we already said, we are in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. Have you ever had an opportunity where you knew what it was that you should do? I mean, it was a no-brainer. You had it, and This is what we're going to do. This is what we should do. Case in point, we're very early in our, in our married life. And we were driving a car that we owned. It's a, it was a Ford Escort, a small two-door, or one, yeah, two-door car. With, um, it had a manual transmission, but it was paid for. We, we, we owned this thing scot-free. But then we had a little boy, and we had to put him, into the back of the, put him into the back of this car. I'm getting some feedback. Can I get this mic turned down just a tad? And so we had to put him in the back of this, uh, of this little escort, and it was hot, and he would cry and everything else like this. So I said, you know, maybe we need to look at getting a different car. And my wife said, I, uh, she's the one who takes care of the finance. I don't, I don't think we can afford it. We went down and we looked at it anyway. We met the salesman. He says, what do I got to do to put you in a car today, folks? And he said, I got just a car for you. And he showed us another Ford Escort, a four-door with air conditioning. And I thought... This is the car for us. This is the car for us. And so we, we took it out for a test drive, and I'm, yep, 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 this is the car for us. This is what we should do. 
And we went home and Becca said, she goes, I don't, I don't think that we should buy this car. And finally I said, I'm the man of the house and I will decide what it is that we're going to do. Dumb, 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 dumb. Don't do that, guys. God gave you a wife for a reason. And I needed to listen to her. We bought that car. And we were driven into debt. I was never so glad as the day when I saw that car driving away and knew that we were finally out of debt with that car. I thought I knew what was the, what's the right thing to do. And sometimes we think we know what the right thing is to do. But then it collides with God's word. When your will and God's word collide, you're going to make a choice to do one of the two. But the question you need to ask is which one will honor God and which one will honor you? I'm not going to tell you the gift that Joseph brought until the very end. We talked about Mary last week giving the gift of servanthood. Joseph brings a gift to God too, but we're going to see it fleshed out at the very end of the message. As Joseph, as Joseph learned, uh, let me tell you about a, a billboard that I saw not too long ago. When I saw it, I almost slammed on the brakes and thought, who on earth put that up there? The billboard said this, when you don't know what to do, and then it had in parentheses, just follow your heart. That's terrible advice. Why? What does it mean to follow your heart? It literally means do what you think is right. What's wrong with that? There's a lot wrong with that statement. Why? We look at scripture. In Jeremiah 17.9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I mean, when you go with your heart, what does it say about the heart? It's deceitful and it's wicked beyond understanding. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but what? But the end thereof is death. Jesus stood and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except to me. I'm the way. And when our will and God's word collide, you're going to choose to do one of the two. But the question you need to ask is this, which will it honor? Will it honor me or will it honor God? Joseph is, has a dilemma. He's faced with an issue. Joseph's heart told him, that he needed to want, do one, told him that he needed to do one thing. And God told him to do just the opposite. Joseph's obedience, however brought honor to God. We will face times when our heart tells us to do one thing and God's word tells us to do another. But which will honor God? Which one will honor God? As we begin in verse 18 and 19, Joseph learns, it says, this is how the birth of Christ Jesus came about. It's interesting. All those words, all those names in front of here, don't discount that. In another year, I will talk about, about those, those words. There are four women mentioned in that genealogy. Women were never mentioned in a genealogy. On top of that, two of those women are, are non-Jewish women. And one of them is of dubious, uh, or pregnancy is of dubious concern. Matthew has done something very important. He's writing to Jewish people. And Matthew is setting forth the lineage of Christ. Any Jew looking at, at a testimony that this is the Messiah, because remember, Matthew's intent for his Jewish audience is what? To know that Jesus is the Messiah. And when he lays out that genealogy, all those names, that's there for a purpose, to show that he comes from the line of David, 
the princely, the kingly line of David. And so it says, this is how the birth of Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. The whole betrothal ceremony, they were considered married in the eyes of the people of that day when the betrothal ceremony happened. The, the husband or the father and the prospective husband would come to the prospective bride's house. They would talk about the bride price and finally the price would be, would be agreed on. A cup of wine would be taken and the, and the prospective husband would drink the wine and then he would hand the cup to the prospective bride and say, this is the new covenant. We hear those same words said by Jesus at communion. But he hands the cup to the prospective bride and if she drank from the cup, she was accepting his proposal of marriage. In the eyes of everyone, at that point they were betrothed. They were married, they were husband and wife, the marriage had yet to be consummated, and they didn't live with one another. And Joseph, as he would have left, would have said these words, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Where do we hear those words? In John chapter 14, Jesus says the very same words. Joseph goes away. It's now the responsibility of Mary's father to ensure to Joseph that on the wedding night, that he gives to Joseph a virgin bride. And Joseph finds out that Mary is with child through the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't know this. Can you imagine the range of emotions that must have been going through Joseph's heart at that point? I, I, I wonder how he found out. I, I wonder how he found out. And, and here, Joseph's heart, he truly loved Mary, didn't he? And how do we know that he truly loved Mary? It shows up in verse, in verse nine, 19. It says, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. When, when, when something like this was found out, oftentimes they brought them out into the public, publicly humiliating them. Sometimes they would even, they would even stone them. And Joseph wanted no part of that. He loved Mary. He loved Mary and did not want exposure to public disgrace. And he had in mind to divorce her quietly. What, what else could he do? What else could he do? That's what the law said for him to do, was to divorce his wife. Joseph knew in his heart that he wasn't the father. That says something about Joseph. It says two things about Joseph. He cared about what God thought. He chose not to be intimate with, with Mary before birth. But it also says something very important about what, Mary, what he thought about Mary. If you are in a dating relationship, God says, when you are married, that's the time that he, that he says, it's okay to be intimate. Not, not before. He cared about what God said. He cared about Mary. And so when he finds out that Mary is pregnant, he knows he's not the father. But we have the advantage of knowing. We, we can read along here and we know, okay, it's, it's of the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't know this. Can you imagine the range of emotions that he must have been going through? The hurt. The hurt over, over this. And yet he doesn't want to divorce Mary. He doesn't want to divorce her publicly. So he sets about to do it quietly. You know, there's something huge here. Joseph is hurt, isn't he? But you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't hurt back. 
Could he have? He certainly could have. He could have made a spectacle of Mary. Not only a spectacle of Mary. Remember, we, 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 we get this. In an Oriental culture, we get this. When you shame one person in the family, you don't just shame that one person, do you? The whole family bears the shame. The whole family bears the stigma. He could have done that to her very easily. And it isn't easy when we're hurt. We were just reading about this this morning in our, in our parenting class. When Lamech was hurt, what did he do? He killed the guy. Genesis chapter 4. He was hurt and he killed the guy for wounding him. Why does hurt such a big issue to, to take control of? Because hurt doesn't quarantine well. Hurt does not quarantine well. See, there, there's a progression that happens with hurt. Joseph is hurt, but he chooses not to hurt. And there's a progression with hurt. I'm hurt. Somebody says something to me. Some, somebody does something to me. In, in, Montana, in, in, in Montana, especially when I pastored there, after harvest season, everybody would be driving a new truck, so I, I wouldn't know who it was. And so they'd go by me, and, and they'd wave at me, and then they'd say, well, I waved to you, Pastor, and you didn't wave back at me. It's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know your car. And sometimes it's as frivolous as something like that. And we can get hurt. We can get our nose bent out of shape. Somebody says something to us. Somebody doesn't invite us. Somebody does something to us. And and we get hurt. What do you do with that hurt? And maybe you're at a place today where you have been hurt. What are you going to do with that hurt? Because hurt doesn't quarantine well. Because where hurt goes is this. I'm hurt. So I hate. I'm hurt. And so I hate. You say, nah, you're jumping to conclusions. Oh, really? Look at the life of Joseph. And Joseph's brothers especially. When their father showed all the love and gave Joseph that fancy, long-sleeved, multicolored robe, do you think that that hurt the brothers to see all that affection and love going to their, going to their brother? Absolutely. Do you think it affected them when they saw their mothers being treated the way that they were and Joseph's mother being treated the way that she was? Absolutely. And when they were hurt, that hurt didn't quarantine well, and where did it go? It went to, I hate. And you read in Genesis how many times it says that the brothers hated Joseph. Hurt moves to, I hate, moves to, I'm going to hurt you. And I don't care. I don't care what it does to me. I don't care what it does to anybody else. I hurt. I hate. I'm going to hurt you. And Joseph was hurt, wasn't he? And see, the question I have for you this morning is, have you been hurt? I think we've all been hurt at one time or another. A parent says something to us. A parent doesn't say something to us. Your boss says something to you. Your wife says something to you. Somebody says something to you. The question is, what are you going to do with that hurt? Take it to the throne. Was Christ hurt as well? Joseph, he blows me away. It says that he's a righteous man. He's already shown up in his integrity not to lay his hands on Mary before he's married. But then it shows up as well in the fact that even though he's hurt, 
he chooses not to hurt her back. He deeply loved Mary, didn't he? And when you deeply love somebody, Jesus says, if you have my commandment, he who has my commandment, the one who loves me is the one who obeys my commandments. We love God. We love God not because, or we, we do the things that God calls us to, not, be, not just because, but because we love God. And when you love somebody, you make the choice, I'm not going to hurt them back. Even though that opportunity was there. You see, it, when the opportunity comes for you to hurt back, did Joseph have every right? He did. He did. But here's the problem. Sometimes we make decisions and we think we have the right and we don't know all the answers. We don't know all that's going on. Case in point here with Joseph. He goes on and he, it says that he resolved. He resolved that he was going to, to divorce Mary. And what happens? It says in verse, uh, verse 20, he goes to bed and he, and he, and he decides that I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to have to do. I mean, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what the law tells me to do. The only problem is he didn't have all the facts. And God tells him the facts. Verse 20, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. In a dream. And said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Did he have all the facts? He didn't. He dearly loved Mary. But he didn't know what it was that God was doing in, in the background. And sometimes we don't know what it is. When, when we're walking through difficult times, we don't know what is it that God is doing. Is God in this? Because sometimes you say, well, everybody's against me. Not everybody's against you. If God be for us, who can be against us? And there are times in the middle of, of walking through difficult times, and we want, to, we want to just cry out to God and say, God, why? And maybe the question that we need to be asking is this, God, would you show me? what it is that you're doing in the midst. Would you show me this from your angle? Joseph didn't have all the facts. He thought he knew, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. But what he didn't realize was that God was in this. And we, we don't realize at times as that God may be in the middle of what it is that you're walking through right now. But you won't know unless you take the time to ask him, God, Show me your vantage point in this situation. Show me, God, where you're at work in the middle of this. Why, why, why is that a tough one to do? Why is it tough to ask God what it is, God, what is it that you're doing in the middle of this? Because are there times when we just, this is a no-brainer. I know what I should do. I know where I should go to school. I mean, I, I, I've, got, I've got the scholarship here to go to school. This is where I should go to school. I know what job I should take. I know where it is that I should live. I know what it is that I should do. And I don't need to ask God. There's a 50-cent word for that attitude, and it's called hubris, pride. Who of us knows the mind of God? Could it be that God has given you that opportunity to test your heart to see whether or not you will trust Him or whether or not you will trust in your intuition? Pride. Pride is one of those things that keeps us from asking God. Now, 
We don't need to be foolish about it. We don't need to stop before we eat breakfast in the morning and say, we're standing before seven boxes of cereal and say, okay, God, which one of these cereals would you have me to eat this morning? Would you have me to eat bacon and eggs, or would you have me to eat congee, or what would you have me to eat? I mean, okay, we don't need to get ridiculous, but there are situations. There are things that you are facing right now. Situations at your workplace, situations with your employment, situations at school, situations financially where God longs to be invited into the middle of that discussion because He has a way. There are times when in our hearts we think we know what it is that we should do and it collides with God's Word. And when we know what we should do and if it collides with God's Word, which one are you going to honor? Which one is going to bring honor and glory to God? The second thing that that inhibits us from asking God is, we don't like to wait, do we? We're the microwave generation. We're the aspirin generation. If we, if we want something, we're the Amazon.com generation or the Taobao generation for this area. If we want something, we go online, we click the button, we pay for the expedited shipping, and we can have it tomorrow. We don't wait for anything. If we want to, go, if we want to book today... Pete's sake, we don't have to wait and, and go online and order a book and wait 10 days for the book to come. We order it on Kindle, and it's there. It's there in 20 seconds. The whole book is there. We don't like to wait, do we? We want to eat something, we want to eat it fast. We go over here to the Chajantang, and we get it now. Even when you walk in there, what are they saying? Bang, go, 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 go. I mean, everything is fast. We don't like to wait. The problem is, God's never in a hurry, is he? Because sometimes the wait is part of God's will. Because God isn't a department store that we just simply walk in, get what we want, and walk back out. God desires a relationship with us. And part of that relationship is built up in prayer. And so when we have to make a decision, God says, number one, ask me. And number two, be willing to wait for my answer. God is never late, is he? But doggone it, he's never early either. And that's, that's hard. And yet it is pride that says, I will move ahead anyway and do what it is that I want. How many times have you made a decision like that? And you go back and think, ooh, Oh, that was a bad decision. If I would have waited, if I would have just waited. Could it be that God is possibly giving you an opportunity this morning? You're at a place where you need to make a decision. You think you have all the facts. Have you invited God into that decision? Have you asked him to show you that from his vantage point? Ask him. Ask him. Because Job thought he knew what it was that he should do. But God says to him, God told him two things to do. And he says to him, in verse, in verse 22, let me just read verse 21. Let me read the rest of verse 20. But after this, he had considered, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So there's the first thing that he's asking them to do. He's saying, take her, take her home. Marry her. Bring her into your house. Don't be afraid. 
don't be afraid. How many times does that little phrase, don't be afraid, show up in, in, the, in the birth narratives, in the story of Christ's birth? It's over and over and over again. On Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about the angel says to the, to the shepherds at night, don't be afraid. To, to Mary, he says, don't be afraid. To Joseph, he says, don't be afraid. All along, he keeps coming back up. Why should he be afraid? Again, we get this. In Asian culture, when one person is shamed, it shames the family, doesn't it? When Joseph marries Mary, it wasn't the elaborate ceremony that it, that it normally was. Seven days of feasting that would have gone on. They would have gone under a chuppah, where the, the little, the, the little uh, umbrella-like thing, and they would have broken the glass. It wasn't like that. It was probably a very quiet ceremony. And Joseph brings an already pregnant Mary into his home. Can you imagine the stigma of Joseph's father? To know that his son has married a woman who's already carrying a child and it's not his. And God says to him, Joseph, here's the details. I'm in this. Don't be afraid to take her home as your wife. Don't be afraid. There's the first thing that God asks him to do. The second one is, it says, she will, verse 21, she will give birth to a son and will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I love this. Here's Matthew. Here's Matthew bringing out what, what his readers need to hear. This took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7, 14. The virgin will give birth, will, will be with child and will give birth to a son and it will give him the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, here's your little geek lesson here this morning. How many years before this did Isaiah prophesy that this was going to happen? 700 years before this occurs. And Matthew brings his readers into this. He says, this all happened to fulfill. Remember what Isaiah would have said. Isaiah said this 700 years before, and God is bringing it to fruition. He says, you are to give him the name Jesus. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He says, Joseph, this isn't your doing. And it isn't up to you to give the name to this child. That there is something culturally behind this that God is asking him. Not only is he asking him to bring Mary into his home, but by naming him Jesus, by giving him the name Jesus, he is bringing him into his home. He's, giving, he's saying, I will take care of this child. So how did Joseph do? How did he do as a father? You know where it shows up in Jesus' life of how he did as a father? Jesus comes up out of the waters of baptism and it says the Holy Spirit led him, some interpretation, drove him into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. At every temptation, Jesus doesn't go into a long speech. He simply says what? It is written, it is written, it is written. Three times. Where does that come from? It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Deuteronomy chapter 8. Teach these things to your children as you walk and as you, and as you sit, as you go along the lane. Jesus would have been taught these scriptures by whom? By Joseph, his father. I think of God. It's like Sometimes it's like, okay, God... I see what you're doing, but are you serious? You are putting the Son of God, you're putting the second person of the Trinity 
into the womb of a teenage girl, 13 to 15 years old, somewhere in that, in that span of time. Seriously? I mean, what, what is God thinking? And then God puts his son into the home of a simple carpenter. My son-in-law is a carpenter. He's nothing. He's not simple. He's very, a very intelligent man. But he's just son of God in, in, in the home of a, of, a, of a carpenter? Really, God? But as we've already seen, Joseph, there was more to him than met the eye. He was a righteous man. He was a man who took the vows of marriage seriously. He didn't touch Mary before she was married. He took what God said seriously, and he listened to God. There's a lot going on with him. But the second thing that he did, he took Jesus into his home. He said, I will raise him. And he raised Jesus in his home. You know, here's the last thing. So what happens? When Joseph woke up, verse 24, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. You know what that harkens back to? And, and Joseph, or Matthew's readers would have gotten this. You know what? That's almost word for word where that comes from, where it sounds like? Remember back in Genesis chapter 22, it said that the Lord sought to test Abraham, and he said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, the son that you love. I mean, he made it so crystal clear that it wasn't Ishmael. He says, take the son that you love. And he said, and sacrifice him on a mountain that I will tell you about. And what does it say that Abraham did? The very next morning, he got up and did what the Lord told him to do. When, the will, when our heart tells us to do something, and the word of God stands in conflict with that, which one will you honor? Will you honor yourself or will you bring honor to God? When Joseph obeyed God, here's your last thing. When Joseph obeys God, God is bring, given glory. There's Joseph's gift. Joseph brings honor to God. When your heart tells you what to do, but God's will stands in conflict with it, which one will you honor? Will you honor yourself? Or will you bring honor to God? And I don't know what decision you may be facing this morning, but here's the last thing. When Joseph obeys God, God is honored. But here's the second thing. When Joseph obeys God, he comes to know God in a way that he wouldn't have if he hadn't have obeyed God. When you honor God, when you put Him first in your decisions, you come to know God in a way that you never would have had you gone your own way. Would Joseph need to know that God was in this every single day of his life? Absolutely. Because the slurs didn't stop with Joseph. In John chapter 8, we read this little cryptic line as Jesus is speaking with the Pharisees. And they say to him, we're not illegitimate children. As if to say, we know who our father is. Who's yours, Jesus? Did Joseph need to know? Did Jesus need to know? Yeah. Do we need to know? 
that when we make a decision, if God is in this decision, it may not make sense to us. But who will we honor? Who will be given glory at the end of the day with our decisions? Because sometimes we know, hey, this this is the thing that I should be doing. Really? Have you taken the time to stop and to say, God, what would you have me to do? Young people, some of you are, are making decisions for your future. Parents, some of you are making decisions for your, for your children's future. It's a dropkick. It's like, this is, this is easy. This is an easy one. I, I, don't, I don't really need to invite God into this decision. Be careful. God may be using that as a test of your heart to see, will you ask him and wait upon him, or will you go with your own decision? Some, some of us in this room, we're facing decisions right now, decisions that could affect us for the rest of our lives. Have you invited Jesus into that situation and asked him, will you show me this from your vantage point? And God, then would you give me the courage to follow and to do what it is that you're calling me to do? When our will and God's word stand in conflict, we will do one of the two but only one will bring glory and honor to God. In the decisions that you're making, in the things that you're doing, are they bringing honor and glory to God? Sometimes we say, I'm not seeing any blessing from God in my life. One of my favorite preachers, Tony Evans, says, God blesses that which brings him glory. If we're not bringing God glory. We're probably not seeing the, glory, the blessing of God in our lives. And we bring God glory by doing that which honors and glorifies him. Amen? Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for choosing simple people like, like Joseph and Mary. Boy, there's a lot more to that couple than meets the eye. You go to obscure places like Nazareth and you choose a young teenage girl and a carpenter to be the ones to raise your child. And they did a good job because they had a habit of honoring you. And Lord, I don't know what situations we face this morning what decisions lay before us that we are struggling to make. Maybe it is with our children's schooling. Maybe it was with, um, with our marriage. Do we stay in this? Do we get out of this marriage? Maybe it is situations with our job. And God is a people. We don't like to wait. But Lord, would you help us in the midst of waiting to hear what it is that you are saying? And then, God, would you give us the resolve like you gave Joseph and Mary to do exactly what it is that you called us to do. Father, I pray right now, because for some of us, they're huge decisions that we have to make. And, Lord, you call us first and foremost to bring you honor and glory in all that we do and all that we say. Father, truly, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight. 
Lord, I pray. I pray for clarity. I pray for clarity in decisions. As we wait, God, I pray also that we would come to know you in a way that we wouldn't have. That you will show us again who you are in a very precious way in a way that we never would have seen you had we not waited upon you. Lord, I pray the blessing of your hand over this precious flock. As we go out of this place, we go into a world that it's just going 90 miles an hour. And Lord, it's so hard to stop. It's so hard to find a place that's quiet. But God, I pray the blessing of your hand over them as they dig into your word, as they pray, as they lead their families. Precious Father, would your hand be upon this flock in such a precious way? Would we know the blessing of your hand in our lives as we bring you honor in the decisions we make? To you belongs all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' holy name. Would you join me in praying as our Lord has taught us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Have an amazing week.